What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Kenny Buller, with Omid, and we are on the second floor. Today, we're going to learn how to thrive and how to survive with our very special guest, Raj Dillon. Raj is the co-owner of Pivotal Physio and ARC Athletic Recovery and Development Center, and Raj has three key pillars in his life that he likes to focus in on. One is family, second is fitness, and thirdly is the career that he's built for himself in and around physiotherapy. I'm super excited to bring Raj on board, and we're going to have a lot of key things to discuss in and around the three pillars of his life. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome, Raj. This is, uh, this is a special, special uh, episode because uh, I've known Raj for a long time, and finally in due time that we, we, bring, we bring him on board today and kind of pick his brain about career, about his family, about his overall life. So thank you, Raj, for being here. My uh, For the people that maybe don't know who you are, mm-hmm. for the nine people in Edmonton that don't know who you are, sure. maybe just give them a brief kind of intro of okay. who you are and Synopsis. what you do. Sure. sure. Um, I'll start easy. I was born in Toronto. In, uh, as, a, as a first son of an immigrant family. My family moved to Edmonton shortly thereafter, so I've lived in Edmonton the majority of my life. I define myself as an Edmontonian, not a Torontonian, but I still have some nostalgia and connection to Toronto. I grew up in the West End for the most part through my elementary years, moved to the North Side, lived in Castle Downs from uh, grade six up until university. I lived on campus with my business partner, Craig, for a year in the last year of physio school, moved back to the north side afterwards, lived back with my parents for a few more years, began my career there, and when I got engaged and married, we lived downtown for a few years, we then moved to uh, the north side again to be closer to family, to have our children, we had three of our children in the north side, we then moved to the west end, so come full circle, and we had our fourth child back in the west. So that's where we live now. Mm-hmm. All parts of Edmonton, eh? Everywhere except uh, the southeast, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. Out of all the places you've been in Edmonton, which which one can you go back to, or even if it's right now, what is the best place in Edmonton that you find was was the most suited environment for you? They were all suited for different parts of my life. Um, so through the youth, uh, Collingwood area is where I lived. It kind of brought many people together. It was a very awkward time in the 80s with... Uh, a little bit of racism, um, development, being a very novice family without many means at that time. There's a lot of growth happening for all of us in our family. Um, then through the pubescent years, through the growth, the formative years, let's call them, in, uh, in the north side, it just brings like this whole kind of gritty, harder core, yeah. um, very melting pot type of society, which I love, and I still go back to that very regularly. And I spent most of my life there, so so there's another reason that I probably enjoy that mm-hmm. a lot more. But I still go back to, you know, uh, at times, I still go back and visit many of those homes and yeah. just peek by or drive by and have a nostalgic moment. I show the kids where I used to live. Yeah. And I have an opportunity to do that because it's all in the same city. And, and they enjoy it. They ask questions like, you know, what did you do here? Tell me yeah. some memories here. I'm also fond. I have some fond memories of uh, my father, who's passed away now, and dad... You know, a lot of those places have elements of memories of dad yeah. in those in those uh, motifs. Mm-hmm. So I go back for lots of different reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find that when you being such a proud Edmontonian, 
And there's so many talks now about how a lot of people say, oh, Edmonton's a, a big city in a small town vibe. Or there's people who think it's larger than life because they come from a small town. Or maybe there's people who've come from Toronto, such as yourself, and they come to Edmonton and they still think it's so small. Sure. How do you envision uh, how big our city is from your perspective? How I, how I envision how big it is now? Yeah, in terms of where it's going, in terms of uh, how you view it, in terms of size. Sure. Well, Yellowhead is about as far north as it used to go, right? And White Mud is about as far south as it used to go. So just if you look at the demographic now and, and where the Anthony Hendy is a nice reference point is, the city's doubled, roughly, in the last 20 years. And it will continue to double if you look at the growth in the southwest, in the southeast, in the northwest, sorry, northeast. Northwest is kind of like the last quadrant that's growing. So three of the quadrants are growing expansively and one of the quadrant will come along. Exactly. So it's growing huge. I don't think it's a city with a small town vibe. I, I, when I look at it, I define it as a as a as a metropolis. Mm-hmm. It's a city. Yeah. Uh, I do think that you're right that some, you know, people that have come from a smaller town or a larger city would find it awkward for either one of the reasons. Yeah. But uh, it's a, it's still a metropolis to me. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I want to ask you. If we start off with your career, with everything that you've been doing, I find it's, it's really neat, actually, with, with what you've been doing lately. And to just talk about that a little bit, for those who don't know, Raj recently just created, you could say, like a subcategory within Pivotal Physio and decided to create a hub for athletes, uh, which is called ARC, the Athletic Recovery and Development Center, located inside Evolve Gym in downtown. Uh, this is something that's been open now for, I believe, three months Six months, actually. Six months, yeah. great. And I, I want you to kind of speak on on behalf of how that concept ended up uh, becoming an idea to something that actually got fully developed to what it is now, and and how you guys thought that it's definitely, let's say, athletes is something you need to tap into and in creating a space for them mm-hmm. to recover and to develop their skill sets. Sure, uh, I'll probably take it back one step here. Um, pivotal physio. <laughs> has historically been known as a general population service provider. Mm -hmm. The Northgate location and the Fort Saskatchewan location have been around for over 30 years. We bought those locations at one point in time, about 10 years ago, and then we began running those locations ourselves. Mm -hmm. The other vertical, if you will, the other vertical, if you will, is now the athletic or sports vertical. Mm -hmm. So we opened the High Performance Center in the Brewery District two years ago, that was our first step, first large step towards that direction. Mm-hmm. And then ARC, Athletic Development and Recovery Center inside of Evolve, was open six months ago. I think your, your question probably kind of points me in the direction of thinking about why go that way, what's important about it, and what does it really mean? Yeah. Uh, why go that way? It's an untapped market to a large degree. There are athletes in Edmonton that were asking you know, th- these are the types of services I think I need and yeah. I think I want, and I've seen them in other places, particularly in the States. How come we don't have them here? So we knew that the demand was there. We got a good sense of that. Uh, when we survey our staff and survey ourselves and survey our, our team, we ask some of them, who do you want to work with? Like, what's your ideal client? So there seemed to be an impetus from both the community saying, we want to need this, and, and from some members of our team saying, we want to need to treat those people. Yeah. So there was a merger. Um, along the way, then of course we started to explore ideas. You know, yeah. what are the models of care? How do we deliver physiotherapy, strength and conditioning, 
fascial stretch therapy, IMS, all the different tools that we work with. How do we deliver those tools in the right model of care? And we began to get some inspiration from some other facilities in the States. We looked around at um, some key players and took some courses and educated ourselves a little bit better to be better equipped and better prepared. Mm -hmm. And then started to lay down some groundwork of what is the right location? Who is the right team? What are the models we're going to start with? Of course. And truthfully, we're still evolving. Yeah. You know, pardon the pun, inside of it all, we're still evolving. <laughs> yeah. But we are still evolving. Like we, yeah. we monthly, and right, well, we always think about it. Monthly, we sit down and talk about it. Of course. Um, how did we do in the last month? How did we do in the last three months? Yeah. What are some of the next steps we need to build into our program and our platform? Definitely. And, and that'll continue, right? So the, the model is not a moving target, but the model is an evolving target. Yeah. And we continue to go in that direction. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think uh, to two different ways of, of addressing this and, and dissecting it a little bit more is when, when you think of it on the, the personal end is when you think about athletes, especially, sure. you know, myself being one of your pivotal ambassadors, mm -hmm. I find that athletes really want to be taken care of, right? Like they, they want to look at somebody or they want to look at some sort of ecosystem that they're creating for themselves where they know they have the place to go to for lifting the weights, building strength, going and, and getting recovery services when they're, when they're super sore the next day going and, and having a physiotherapist who's able to uh, assess whatever it is that they're going through and, and build a plan to get them to where they ultimately need to be. Yeah. And what's neat is you guys have created such a holistic approach mm -hmm. where, where, where you think every little bit and every little need that an athlete has outside of the sport they play can be addressed at ARC. Yeah. And I think that's really unique. And I'm wondering if you know, from the business plan perspective, if, as you were saying, if that was all addressed from the get-go or if this is one of those situations where kind of like pivotal in the beginning where you're just opening up a business and you just understand that you build a foundation and all these little things come up and it all of a sudden turns into something where you go, okay, I'm just going to build off of the next thing and the next thing. And you don't really realize it, but they're things you're capitalizing in the moment. Mm -hmm. Or if it was just such a strategic game plan and you're looking at Evolve gym and an arc inside that now and you go you know what six months down the road where i see it now it's exactly where i expected it to be mm -hmm. oh, oh. question yeah uh may I, simple answer is a little bit of both yeah, yeah yeah there's a large strategic framework and a, lo a long process of figuring out what the steps are that we wanted to take what types of services we knew we wanted to include there's a few key core fundamentals that we knew we wanted to include and then, of course, along the way, there's opportunities and, and ideas start to flow. And as you meet different people and bring them onto your team, you start to kind of have this free-flowing process yeah. where the, the, we really work to build the environment. The environment is one in which people can share ideas. It's a safe place. And you can take some risks. You can make yeah. some mistakes. And along the way, there will be some pearls that you uncover. Definitely. So taking advantage of those pearls... And then researching them, investigating them, looking into them further yeah. is, is very much our philosophy. Pearl that maybe you've come across recently or, or even in the past just couple months of, of being open at ARC that you went, oh my goodness, yeah, this, is, this is something we need to tap into now because sure. it's, it's obviously a huge profit margin or even in reality, because we love doing what we do, mm -hmm. you thought, okay, this is a niche that we can really help out. Mm -hmm. uh, I go back to physiology for the answer to that one. Athletes, like you said, they really want to be taken care of. Yeah. Along the way of taking care of them, it's important to define their goals. So if you're here today and you want to get to here, 
There's a level of mobility you need, a level of stability that you need, and a level of stressful adaptation that you need. For example, an athlete wants to get stronger, an athlete wants to get faster, an athlete wants to get more explosive. We have to impose certain stresses to that athlete to get them, their body to adapt. Mm -hmm. So bringing on intelligent people like strength and conditioning coaches is not the norm in a physio clinic. Yeah. And it's one of the things that we've done at ARC that I think sets us apart from other physio practices, both from a model perspective, but also from a you know, customer service or athletic service delivery perspective. Yeah, yeah. that's unique. And it's, it's funny because it's so cool. I've experienced all this at first hand, right? Mm -hmm. When I went in and then phased out through a six-week, you could say camp, prior to my super mm -hmm. fighting jiu-jitsu, yeah. Raj put me through a program for physio, but also put me through a program through strength and conditioning that's at cool. ARC. And Raj even said it. He's like, listen, like if you're going to do this, it's going to take commitment. This is going to come first because you're going to be seeing us more than you'd even expect, right? You have to put in that time. And really that time was phased out into training on the mats with balancing seeing Raj for physio, with balancing going and seeing Nelson for strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was, it was so neat because the exercises we were doing was nothing like you would expect strength and conditioning to be at a gym mm -hmm. or, or with a personal trainer. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people now, they, they have a false representation of what that could look like with a very specific type of trainer. Yeah. I think it's cool now because, you know, you see it on Instagram, you see where the trends are going in fitness and a lot of the actual work you're doing physically isn't just, okay, let's, let's lift the heaviest weight. It's more so, let's see what you can do with your own body. Mm -hmm. Let's see how we could increase your speed, like Raj was saying. And as well, do certain exercises that incrementally build up your strength. Yeah. Right? And I find that a lot of athletes, we can be patient, but we want to see results right away. Mm -hmm. and, and it's quite unique when, you know, you sit down with someone like your strength and conditioning coach, Nelson, who phases out a plan for you and goes, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do this week. And by next week, this is what I can expect from you. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see that because athletes are wired so, I don't want to say differently, but they're wired to, to, to fulfill whatever it is they're doing with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, that begs me to ask you, have you ever had a challenge with a certain athlete where you're phasing out that plan mm -hmm. and they feel like, no, 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 it's, it's got to be done faster or they're very authoritative sure. and they, they just feel like they can't be controlled because maybe they're the team captain or, or maybe they're the MMA fighter who just likes doing things on their own. Mm -hmm. how, would you, how would you tackle that? And have you even had to address uh, any sort of problematic situation with someone like that? And not those two particularly. Like I haven't had an overly authoritative athlete try to take over the plan so yeah. to speak and I haven't had the you know I think every athlete wants to see results faster so that's just a common trend uh, I think that I would answer that question by saying you're right athletes are wired with a competitive fierce goal-oriented mindset yeah. um, but we go in knowing that that's just the reality right if you're going to be successful in your sport you need to be driven you need to have mamba mentality. You need to be a little bit more aggressive. Yes, I mean, that's just, the, that's just the truth, right? So knowing that, the first conversation should have that as a framework. Look, you are competitive. You are driven. This is your goal. Knowing that, where are you at today? Like, let's start with some truth as well. Let's balance the competitiveness with the truth. And if you're here today, this is where you need to get. This is what it's going to take. It's very, you know, formulaic sounds bad, but it's very custom. It's very boutique. Yeah. Uh, your, your fight preparation is a good example. Yeah. Like the exercises you did and the program you did, 
were not what we would give every jiu-jitsu fighter, right? It was built on your hips, built on your timeline, built on your abilities as a fighter, and built on your experience with strength and conditioning. If you had way less or way more experience, we would have tailored the program differently. Of course. You know, so, so it's not so much about, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's so challenging. I actually think it's quite exciting yeah. to deal with those athletes and, and figure those things out and get, in, get into exactly. those nuances. Uh, but you're right. There will be some challenges along the way. And, they're, and they're, if the dialogue is open and the environment is positive, you work it out. Yeah. It's a very simple conversation, right? That's unique. I think the challenges more so excite Raj more than uh, more than it yeah, would be like a problem. Sure. Like, oh, like what, what am I trying to? What are we trying to do here? Yeah. What not? Right? Because that's part. I mean, obviously, it's part of your job. But a, a leader like yourself would be open to the challenges mm-hmm. to come up with custom, you know, routines for every athlete or every person, depending on their body, depending on where they're at, sure. and certain injuries history. I mean, there's so many factors, which is which is cool. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take it back, Raj, a little bit bef- before we go into more of the athletic stuff, kind of more so your story. Mm-hmm. And when you when you finished school and you graduated, um, you know, your physiotherapy um, program, and you went into the physio world. Yeah. What did you see? the vision that you're at right now with, you know, your multiple clinics and where you are right now, did you see that coming out of, you know, being a young student and being hungry and going into the workforce? No. You didn't see it? Okay. <laughs> the simple answer is okay. no. I okay. didn't see it. Yeah. it. <laughs> okay. If you didn't I, see I did it. see yeah. ownership. Okay. That much I mm-hmm. not only saw but knew. Uh, when did that opportunity arise yeah. in your career? Sure. And when did you think? What did it come at the right time? What did it come by surprise? Right, right. Um, we graduated in two thousand three. Um, Anna Hewton, who was the owner of Northtown Physio and Fort Saskatchewan Physio prior, and who we worked for for that window of time, approached us in two thousand and six. So it was three years into my career, and she was looking at potential sale of her practice. We were approached. Among others that were approached, we were able to secure a deal that made sense for her and for us. Yeah. Bless you. And um, so three years into my career, Craig and I were both involved in some level of ownership. Now, was that that time period, was that, is, was that an optimal time? Did, it, did the opportunity arise because of how good you were in, in, as a physiotherapist? I'd like to say it was a blend of uh, our, our, what we showed. Our, our experience, our successes with patients, our ability to get results, our work ethic. I'd like to say, I never asked Anna that question, but I'd like to say part of it was due to that. Mm. And part of it was also timing and having somebody internal to the practice. So you never had the, planted the seed? We did. Oh, you we did, did plant planted the seed. the seed very early. Oh, it was like, okay. Like week okay, one. So you kind of, oh, week okay, one, so you we're like, hey, that. at some point, <laughs> if oh, you're interested, we want to talk about oh, this. No, yeah, no, we planted no, the seed okay. very like early. That. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, yeah. That's... that's I planted the seed very early, but but it was, there was never like a pressureful seed plant. It was just like, hey, this is on our mind. Yes. You know, now we're going to go get to work. Yeah. yeah like that, that's it, right? <laughs> so, so that was kind of it. And so I think she, you know, was aware. Um, and, and I can't speak for her. I mean, I have to make inferences here, but I would suspect that she did it for a variety of reasons. And uh, luckily it worked out in, in the grand scheme for us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go further in the story here, if that's okay. In yes, 06, please. we bought shares. In 08, we bought the remaining shares. So we were partners with Anna for two years. Nice. 
We, mm. It was the three of us. And then in 08, we took over full ownership. In 08 and 09, we then rebranded. We did a kind of a due diligence process of figuring out what is the company. At that time, it was called Northtown Physio. What is the company doing well? Where do we have our successes and where do we have our losses? Where do we have our challenges? What do patients say about us that's positive? What do patients say about us that's negative? What do they say about our space, providers, equipment, technology, everything? Like, what is the what is the current status of our company? That was 09. 08, 09. 08, 09, okay. Uh, and through that process, we identified strategies of we want to improve these areas. We want to continue doing well in these areas. Yeah. And this is, we then went through a, in a very creative marketing process of figuring out what name are we going to use and what does that name represent and what is the identity we're going to use right and what are, where are we pointing this ship was kind of, of the course. general questions asked at that time it's been 10 years now um, so luckily um, going back to like are we where we think we should be and, and that kind of thing we're very much going in that direction of what we originally thought for sure there's a positive growth of the company the identity of the brand is strong uh, i you know, we constantly revisit the topic of mission, vision, and core values as a as an ownership group. Um, so there, there's there's some definitely some consistency between what we thought we wanted and what we thought we were gonna do, yeah. and where we are going. Do all physios is that the end goal is to have their own clinic? Is that is that like the top of the top? Is there anything that would entice a physio to be long-term as just a physio instead of sure. looking at, oh, I have to, after a certain amount of time, I have to own yeah. my own company, my own brand. Sure. Well, you immediately feel like there might be that risk or that pressure of, it's like owning an own business. Maybe some don't want to have that. Yeah, because the business do, experience right? and leadership is, is obviously, you need, you need some sort of quality to be able to lead a, a business and lead a certain group sure. of people yeah. so I mean obviously early on you obviously said that you wanted to get into a position of ownership and mm -hmm. leadership so maybe speak on that do physios when are they immediately thinking like oh I need a this is the end goal yeah. I need to own my own business I need to own my own clinic or is it more so like I could work under someone and mm -hmm. still be doing what I love yeah that's a good question some do some don't oh, okay I mean there's I wouldn't I wouldn't say that all therapists want to own a practice. Okay. And I wouldn't say that all therapists want to, you know, do their clinical work and then go home. For some, that isn't enough. Yeah. You know, because there is another set of duties and skills and responsibilities and time and energy required to do those other things. You know, it, it, is, a, it is a business at the end of the day. So it's much like owning a restaurant or a cafe or a store or a film company, you know, like the, the things that happen in the background, the time that you spend and the time that you spend, your, maybe your parents spend in their business, mm -hmm. it doesn't always show up on paper. Yeah. Right? The energy and time that they put in, some of the worries, maybe some of the risks that they took early on. It's your baby, It's a baby. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. when we took a business consulting course, that's one of the first things they told us. You have to treat this business like your child. You are ultimately responsible for this business, this child. And you need to nurture it. You need to invest in it. You need to help it grow. You need to help it develop. You need to help it get off its crawling and then to into walking and then into sports and so on. Yeah. You need to watch this business or child nurture, grow, and self-actualize. That's your responsibility. Now, what were the what were the initial challenges to mm -hmm. owning the you know obviously when you rebranded and you took full ownership, you and Craig. What were the initial challenges to the rebranding and, and now getting into dominating the physio space? Um, 
I wouldn't say that rebranding was too much of a challenge. That was more exciting, and it was a you know a nice, refreshing change, and, and I think it was a chance to redefine where we are going now. So I wouldn't call that a challenge. Uh, there were some challenges though early on. Uh, particularly, there was some ignorance. You know, we hadn't done it before, so lack of experience and a lack of knowledge led to some hard learning curves. Um, the time required to both treat patients really well and manage the practice really well is daunting. Yeah. Early on, there was a high level of time required. So we've kind of dialed that in now, and it's taken us some time, but we've figured that out, I'd like to say, fairly well. But those are, those are two of the largest challenges early on, is, the, is balancing our time effectively and productively and giving to the right directions. You know, like if your staff don't feel supported, or if your patients don't feel supported, or if your house doesn't feel supported, then something's going to give. Yeah. So, so th- there was balancing that early on. Um, and then secondly, you know, lack of experience, there was some learning curves that we had to go through that now we've learned from and you make the mistake once and don't make it again kind of, of thing. Of course. Yeah. That's unique. I want to just add my piece to everything you just dropped. You added <laughs> sure. a lot of knowledge there. And I, I want to put it this way because I, I feel like I could strongly relate to you when you said that one week into going into your practice when you got hired with North. I believe, Northtown. yeah, Northtown at the time when it was called that, you went in there right away and you sort of said, you know what, I want to eventually own this place with you. Or you, you made a statement stating what you want to ultimately get to. And I think, you know, going back to your question, Omid, when, when you can help but say, oh, like, does every physiotherapist feel like that? It, it, it makes me go back to business school and relate to the fact that, okay, every student in Bachelor of Commerce, even though they're studying business, not every single person is ultimately going to say, oh, I want to be a manager or, oh, I want to own something. Mm. And it's quite unique about the society we live in, sure. right? If everybody wanted to be a manager, there would be no employees. There would right. be nobody who'd be willing to work under you. Or consultants. Exactly. Some of those people in that classroom with you will make the best consultants in the world. Yes. And they don't want to be entrepreneurs. That's okay. Like yeah. that's that. Yeah, I think I think we're going back to an, like a larger conversation now about where do people thrive. Yeah, you know, and that could be where do you thrive in your career? Where do you thrive in your family? Where do you thrive in your community? Like you know, different people will define that and answer that differently. Exactly. So some will thrive in positions of ownership. Yes, some will thrive in positions of consultancy, non-committal. To yeah. a degree, like I'm going to yeah. consult over here for three months and consult over there for three months and do something different over here. And that's how I thrive. I like the di- dynamic change. Exactly. That's how they thrive. They get change all the time. Yeah. And, and then there's sure there'll be many other examples. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you find that, you know, when you, when you think about the energy that you bring to the table, are, are you, you know, when I ask this, I'm, I'm going to say, are, are you very clear of what energy you bring to work? You know what I mean? Like when, when, when you are waking up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you're ready to start your day, what what sort of approach and what vibe do you bring to ensure that, you know, being being the co-owner of Pivotal and, and being the guy that everyone's relying on, that everyone knows, okay, that's somebody who, you know, I need to make sure when they see me, I'm getting my work done. Yeah. Like, like what does that pressure you give look like and what is that vibe you give off to your employees? Uh, well, I got to check you on the question first. I don't yeah. do it all myself, and I'm not the only one they rely on. Like we have a really good team, and I have to give credit to them. That's awesome. It's it, it wouldn't happen without them. So we have to no. acknowledge that truth. It's, it's very very important to acknowledge that. Um, but I think going back to your question about all of us, like all, there's a bunch of leaders in the practice, right? It's not only me, and all of us will 
hold ourselves to a high standard. Yeah. You know, wake up in the morning, get ready for work, if you will. Um, be prepared to be responsible, to be ethical, to be honest, to put in your best effort, to communicate really well, yeah. and to be positive, enthusiastic, and carry that into the practice. Yeah. So positive, enthusiastic is key, right? If you're positive and enthusiastic and you carry that into your practice, wherever you go, if you carry it to your basketball team, if you carry it to your children, if you carry it to your spouse, if you carry it to your grandparents when you're visiting them, if you bring in that positive, enthusiastic nature to a level that's received well, it will infuse others, Yeah. right? It will infuse your patients. You know, I like to treat, for example, with curtains open whenever possible. Um, not all patients like that, but whenever, if they're willing and happy to do it, then I treat with curtains open. I introduce patients Yeah. because like now that. that positive, enthusiastic nature can manifest in a, in a more organic, true sense. Yeah. So you'll notice when you come in, I say, Kenny, this is Omid, like yeah. whoever that is. And I let, I let nature take its course. You're the wingman. Mm. You're creating relationships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the golden wingman. But I, but I do, I do appreciate the energy of that bonding. Yeah. You know, obviously there's a filter and there's a layer of analysis that goes into it. You yeah. don't just do it to everybody. But for most people, like they're in the same environment, they tend to have things in common and you, you kind of pick up on those things and allow the conversations to take fo- take place. Of course, it's, yeah. it's positive. It's welcoming. Yeah. And people appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I, I like to kind of go in that direction. Yeah, I, I like that as far as, you know, bringing that energy to work because obviously sometimes you don't. You know, you wake up and it's one of those days where you just don't feel that 100% or 110%. But I, because I know you, Rods, this is kind of biased. But I know that, as you're, you know, you're, you're great, you're a positive guy. But to hold certain standards, you know, you got to put your foot down sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you got to have essentially some sort of, you know, sure, like a lot. Sure. So for those who don't know... Do you have, I know you have that, that quote unquote, like stern, like we need to get shit done Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you hold your staff and the people that you work with, or even in, I mean, in your relationships too, are there certain lines where you're like, Hey, this is, and you make it clear that this is, this is what I expect from you. Mm -hmm. And you can expect this from me, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have this great relationship, but if certain lines get crossed, this is what's going to essentially, I'm going to have to. Yeah. I, uh, early on, I think it's important to have those conversations. I don't, I don't approach them with a stern nature. Mm-hmm. I approach them with a very transparent nature. For example, if, you know, staff member X needs to join our team and we're kind of investigating that opportunity, it should be clear on both sides. This is what the job entails. This is what we expect. This is the type of behavior that's acceptable or unacceptable. This is the dress code. These are the hours. Show up on time. Um, behave a certain way. And and in order to, one of the questions we ask early on is, what type of support do you need to help you succeed in this position? You know, so it's a two-way conversation. Mm. Like we have a responsibility to help them succeed too. Yeah. It's got to go both ways. Yeah. So it's a chance for both sides to just share. This is our ultimate goal. It's focus on the process. How do we both make the process successful? We're both going to contribute to it, right? You are, and I am, but we're not focusing on you or me. We're focusing on this process. So how do we make the process successful? And we do that. If you do that early on, we set down some habits and some communication lines of we're going to keep focusing on this process and this ultimate, this kind of this direction. 
So the conversations we have when we need to mm-hmm. are very much not an attack yeah. or not a an accolade so much of one person. It's mm-hmm. an accolade of the person when they've contributed yeah. to this process. Do you have troubles because you hold yourself at such a high standard mm-hmm. in all of your pillars in, in your life? Do you have troubles with people that don't hold themselves accountable for certain things or don't hold themselves to a certain standard because I do. I've had that Mm -hmm. troubles with people where, you know, I show up at a certain time, I'm disciplined, I need to get stuff done. And then when that person that I'm working with doesn't obviously don't see that vision or they don't see that direction or they don't hold themselves like, oh, it's okay if I show up. Yeah. five minutes later, 10, sure. and, and then it kind of dominoes into other parts of their life, yeah. and they're, they're okay with that, yeah. but I'm not okay with that. Yeah. So dealing, do you have troubles dealing with people like that? Well, first of all, I was five minutes late today, so I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling we were talking about time there. <laughs> the brown timing, yeah. man, it's a fullest effect, day. Eh? But um, my answer is I used to. Yeah, I, I did used to have trouble with that. I would... It would bother me more. It would mm-hmm. irk me. I would get riled up, and and then and then my reactions would manifest in other ways, and they would not be pretty. And yes, that used to be the case. I'd like to think that I'm better at that now. I'm better able to manage it. I'm sure there's lots of factors that have gone into that. Having children is a big factor. Mm-hmm. Having more time and more experience, being older, is a mm-hmm. factor. Um, and then kind of seeing how some of those reactions, what the outcome of those manifestations were. That maybe they weren't the most fruitful manifestation. Although I reacted that way, it didn't lead to the the right outcome. I reflect on that a lot. So I've learned through time that I don't need to do that. Yeah. Your point still stands, though. Like ultimately, we all—if you want to be successful and you want to do something as a group—you need to hold yourselves accountable, and we need to do that to a high standard. So the the strategy then becomes surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. Right. Mm. The ones now, no, no one's going to operate the same way you do, and no one's going to operate the same way that I do. Even though I think they might, maybe they should, or even though you think they maybe they should. We will, as long as we all operate in the the direction, in a very valuable contributory manner, that that we can probably agree that's pretty valuable, yeah. and we're all going to celebrate along the way, right? Yeah. Mm. So I'm I'm at that place now where if people are contributing in a manif- meaningful way, it does. It in fact, it shouldn't be the same way as me. Because I got that role. I need people who actually contribute in slightly different ways. Yeah. Right? But going in the same direction. That's, that's the key here. Mm. Right? So for me, that's how I approach it now. Yeah. That's neat because that makes me want to ask you. Uh, and this is something that I personally am interested in hearing your opinion on. Because there's so many opinions people have on, on friendships and loved ones and, and people in your inner yeah. circle. Yeah. And uh, people say, oh, you know what? You're, you're the five people that you surround yourself sure. around the most kind of sure. thing. But let's kind of look at it differently. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you're better off having, let's say, the five loved ones you have who are maybe wired the same way you are in terms of motivation and, and goals they have and they're, they're so driven, but they bring in something different to the table mm-hmm. where, where each and every single one of them, they, they just have maybe different opinions and they live such a different lifestyle compared to you? Right. Do you? Do you operate in that fashion or are you more so the kind of person where you're like, hey, my five friends, they're just like me. They love the same things. Yeah. They are me in a way. Right. How, how does that look in, in your own personal life and how does that benefit you? My five friends aren't me. Yeah. They aren't. Very different, eh? I wouldn't say they're very different. I mean, obviously, there's a layer of commonality, things we have in common, experiences that we've had in common, yeah. time that we've had together for sure that has bonded us and has gelled us together. But uh, I don't 
I, I wouldn't say it's a conscious thing. I, I didn't consciously say these ones have these, that it's not like a checklist, like these ones are common, these ones are not. I didn't do that. Yeah. It's very organic and time and nature has taken its course. And along the way, there will be things that you, that I have appreciated and things that I've enjoyed and that emotional connection becomes stronger. Yeah. And there will be things perhaps that broke that emotional connection. Trust was broken. Things didn't go well. Sour taste in your mouth. And whether it's conscious or not, you might not want to spend as much time with that person. Yeah. So over time, things kind of ebb and flow and you get to this natural place of surrounding yourself with who you who you want yeah, no, it's exactly. on the personal side, right? Yeah, side. no, I agree. Yeah. Do you find that when a lot of those things happen, you know, for the worse in a sense, or maybe even for the better because you've had to cut someone out of your life or you realize that due to something that happened between you two, it just, like you said, subconsciously can affect you no matter what. Would you go back and if you could, would you still have that friendship and that experience? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See, I, yeah. I don't, I don't believe in regrets. Yeah. I don't, I just, I just, as a, as a, rule i don't believe in regrets maybe it was a crappy experience yeah maybe you, you had a you know denial anger bargaining depression acceptance maybe you had to go through that grieving process maybe something crappy happened yeah. whatever but i don't believe in regrets things happen we're here for a certain number of years we're here for experiencing what we can on this you know planet mm -hmm. that's part of it you can't have the yin without the yang. You can't have like yeah. all the celebrations and all the happiness and all the parties and all the good times. Exactly. If you if that's all you had, that wouldn't be exciting to you because yeah. that would be your baseline. Like you need to have the other side yeah. so that you can contrast them. Like I, we, I appreciate. It sounds weird to say, but I appreciate negative, somber, depressing, anxious, angry moments yeah. just as much as celebratory, happy exciting invigorating moments because that's part of your life experience yeah that's me self-actualizing my life that's awesome. so i've got a broader scope that's how i approach things don't get me wrong i'm angry and sad over here i enjoy this green but there's a layer of like i'm appreciative of that process uh, even mm. though I'm angry and sad, like in the moment, I'm still, my physiology, my heart rate's still up, I'm still angry, and so on. Mm. But the reflective part is appreciative of that, just as much as this. Right? Wow. I like that. So I like no, that. I don't, I don't when, you, when you think of your, and I only ask this again because we, we Omen and I, we know a lot of, let's say, millennials, sure, right? Sure. People in our age group, it's, it's uh, I think for now, being that it's still the beginning of our podcast being launched and... And, and where we're at speaking today, we'll have a lot of our own followers listening to this at first, right? We expect this to have other people, especially in your circle. But if you could go back to your age, around 20 to 25 years old, uh, roughly around where we're at, and if there's anything you could say to that, Raj, mm -hmm. from, from everything you've learned now, right, right, right. what would you say to him? I'd say a lot, man. But yeah. <laughs> like, listen, sit listen, down. Listen. Is it you this do? It's gonna be a three-hour process. <laughs> yeah, Just sit down. Take out talk. a pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. Talk. There might be some beats laid down too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so tw 20, tw let's pick twenty-three. I know it's broad, but you know that I'm trying to say like that yeah, age yeah, yeah. where okay, maybe yeah, you're not too young anymore, but you're not old enough okay. to really figure it all out. Let's let's figure out okay, who was the twenty-three-year-old, yeah, yeah, exactly. and then yeah, yeah. what do you, what advice so, would you give? So them? the the twenty. Well, let's look at twenty-three-year-old. 
was in second year physio school, right? Yeah. So hanging around Corbett Hall, U of A campus, um, spending time playing basketball, lifting weights with his classmates, studying in, in MedSci library or Cameron library or study hall. Yeah, the campus Classic. lifestyle. Campus life, yeah. yeah. 23 years old, uh, sixth year of university, yeah. looking towards eight years because I did a four-year science degree and then a four-year physio degree. At that time, it was a bachelor's degree. Uh, worked two part-time jobs. Um, you know what? I actually wouldn't change any of those things. Busy. Those are all pretty... Um, fruitful yeah those are all pretty pretty good strong. I'd say yeah um, mindset wise uh, of course like of course I want to go back and say be more mature right because now I'm more mature yeah right so of course <laughs> you want to say hey be more mature so that's an easy one um, it was also uh, it's it's a tough question because now we have a different whole ethos about our society yeah. like the cell phones are readily available information is readily available um, like when I was in university this is like going to sound old now but we started texting yeah. right that was when texting was starting to come from my university time mm. was when texting wow. became a reality yeah right so I can go back and say text more <laughs> Text more. Invest in Google. Yeah, invest in Google. <laughs> That's so invest true. In this is gonna be huge. Yeah. Put your money in all these yeah. stocks. The bitch just says, "Go find Tesla." You know, like. <laughs> but no, I think that the broader answer is like there's at that time. The answer would be different than the time now. No, it's so right? true. Actually, so mm -hmm. let's go back to the maybe the what I would say to twenty three year olds now. Maybe, yes. that's, maybe that's more relevant to the audience. Um, I say this to Omid regularly. Uh, like I appreciate what, what I think young people do now. They take more risks. They are more invigorated by their own process. They are dynamic and ever-changing. And I like that. I think the, we can benefit from that. Along the way, the risks have risks. So you might have some losses, but Omid takes them. And, and he's a good example, prototype. I appreciate that. I think that's what our world needs. That's where innovation comes from. Mm -hmm. Innovation comes from a place of risk-taking, a uh, healthy environment of support and, and challenge. Yeah. And like Marek might have shared with you, the 4% rule, right? Like yeah. having, not being too complacent or bored and comfortable, but also not becoming overwhelmed. Finding that sweet spot where you're always challenging yourself to go a little bit further, a little bit further, stretch, stretch, yeah. stretch, 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 mentally, physically, whatever it might be. But going in that direction. Yeah. So I, I value that from the, you know, young people of today, if you will. What about, was there, uh, how, I want to get a little bit more specific. Was there any certain behavior or certain personality trait that you had when you were in your 20s? That drink less. Drink less. <laughs> less. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Less. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I, I drank a lot in those years. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, everybody did. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like I was more than most. Yeah. But uh, I've stopped drinking now and I find a lot of value in being clear and um, focusing on, on my health and, and other other directions. I, find my, I, spend, I spend my energy in different ways. Were you, uh, I'm not curious, were you as, am, as ambitious as you were when you were 23? At that time? Was I ambitious? No, I know you were ambitious. That's probably not the right answer. But 
as ambitious as you are now or vice versa? Were, are you yeah. less? Are you more? Are you the same? Has it always been kind of... I think it's changed. Hasn't changed. Yeah, okay. not dramatically. Okay. Uh, the the shape of it is different. Mm-hmm. It's become refined and it's it's directed in different directions over time. Of course. Depending on stage of life. Yeah. But the energy was always there. Mm. And um, yeah, I always like to have my f- a fairly full schedule. I always like to keep myself productive and busy. That's kind of my nature. Has has there always has there been one? This could uh, this could be the same. You probably answered this the same. But has there any been any sort of ritual that you do morning, evening, or afternoon that you've held on to, or that you do that anchors you and anchors your day, or anchors? Yeah, there's actually a very silly one. I watch brainless television before I go to sleep. <laughs> like, like really bad right. like sitcoms like terrible like just like something that just completely turn your brain off like I, I, just... that's when I'm winding down I watch like shameless television like just terrible yeah yeah, yeah. very interesting so that's, that's one ritual that's been consistent all the way through yeah there have been some that are different like I'd work out in the mornings in university and now I work out at different times or when I was stressed I'd go to the gym and shoot hoops and there's been some others that have come and gone but if you ask me like a consistent one, I can think back like 20 years mm. and I would always watch something before I go to sleep as a way to unwind. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I think it, it, it allows you to understand that, you know, nobody's a god, right? Like you look at somebody who owns a business and you're thinking in your head, especially now because we're, we're consumed by so much content and we're only seeing what someone's doing sure. that we always think they're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this falsified misrepresentation of thinking that they're not human and they're some sure. robot. Also, also the idea of that entrepreneurship is also glorified now. And, you know, you see all these guys that do crazy things and you're like, holy, this guy's on 24-7. Yeah. This guy doesn't sleep. You know, especially a guy like The Rock, for example, is a perfect example. He'll post like he just got off the jet. Yeah. He's, he's in the gym. Uh, I've had three hours of sleep, and then I have a 16-hour sh- uh, film shoot. Like, yo, you know, and he's the, the epitome of success. So when you look at guys who also own businesses or whatever, they're excelling in their field, or they're on the second floor, uh, it seems like they're always on. And you're like, man, I, you're itching to get to that. Or you're yeah. like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to know that they all, they're also human. Yeah, they do watch TV. They do unwind. They watch Netflix. They chill with their families. They're not just robots and machines doing stuff. They have a balance. Yeah, right. And I think that's super important to have. If you, I, I I like looking at it this way. And I heard this really recently, and it really resonated with me. And it's like, if you are having so many problems in your family internally, if, if 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 your house looks so beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, there's no structure, there, there's no love, mm. there's no stability. And let's say you're a business owner. That can easily leak out in your business. If, if you are not mentally there, if, if what you go home to isn't loving and isn't nurturing in some way, shape, or form, yeah. then of course, that's going to affect everything else you do. Mm. And, and everyone's always trying to find the answer now. Everyone's trying to you know, look for the right formula. But at the end of the day, it's okay. Well, kind of like how you approach Physio Raj, where... You, you, you sit the person down and, and figure out what's, what's custom to them. Okay, you have back pain. Okay, well, how did this happen? Yeah. What happened? And again, it's looking at someone else. It's, and I, I deal with business owners on a day-to-day, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about business. We're talking about, you know, how they could market their business better. And sometimes, to be honest, if it gets to a point, I, I hear their personal issues. Yeah. 
And mm. then that's where it stems from. Because mm. that's what's not making them sleep at night. That's yeah. what's not making them think straight. That's what's making them make last minute decisions to just swipe that credit card through without thinking twice. Yeah. And it leaks out into the decisions they make, right? Mm-hmm. So it's quite interesting. I like how you yeah. said, and, and you, you let yourself be a little bit vulnerable there where you know, you're like, you know what? At night, I wind down. This is what I've done for 20 years because it allows you to relax. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, balance is important. You got to talk about balance. I, I think about like part of my mental approach to my life is balance all the time, right? And it's not always easy, but I have it as a focal point all the time. And so we talked about the three pillars earlier today about uh, career, family, and fitness. And for me, those are my three big pillars. And I'd like to balance those three pillars. If I've done that in a day, I'm pretty content with my day. If I've done that in my week or my year, I'm pretty content with my week or my year. There are obviously other pieces that add to that, but those are the three big ones. Can you for me? Can you talk just a little bit about your fitness? Because I know, because we've been friends for a long time, but you know, you were drinking before you had a little bit, a substantial weight on you before. Um, When essentially you turned around and you're more cleaner, you're healthier, you know, you send me pictures of you've lost three, 3000 calories after a three hour, four hour bike ride. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's pretty insane. So, (laughs) and you're, you know, so I'll, Dive into that. When yeah. did that change? When did fitness become a focal point? When did fitness become the pillar? Because you've always been active. Yeah. Like we've been, we've played ball for years. Yeah. It's not like you haven't been active. But when was that? Like, I want to step it up. Sure. The the process was very strong for many many years, and it actually changed when I had children. When Deepa and I had children, because my the balance was thrown off. Mm. And I didn't realize how much the balance was thrown off. I didn't process it. I didn't think about it. Looking back, it's not rocket science. It's pretty clear. But at the time, I was ignorant. So the balance changed. I continued to work the same number of hours. I continued to eat the same number of calories. I continued to um, have the same amount of time with my family and my friends. But I spent the time with my kids instead of at the gym. So I replaced my gym hours with kid hours. I was a better father than I was a healthy human being. Mm-hmm. And one could say, that's pretty cool. Good job, right? <laughs> one could say, whoa, 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 just rebalance it all a little bit, right? Yeah. So looking back, I would probably rebalance it all a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And that's okay. First-time father, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, my sleep patterns changed as a result because kids weren't sleeping well. We had two back-to-back. and. Both were in diapers and both were getting up at night. And there's about a year or two there where bad habits, eating-wise and exercise-wise, started to fill into my life. Oh, man. Yeah, so so things went downhill fitness-wise for a number of years. And um, to be clear, I wasn't like a extreme alcoholic. It's not, I'm not trying to suggest that here. <laughs> but, you were but, drinking yeah. just a regular but, yeah. part-time drinker. Have a beer every once in a while. But, but yeah, so, so along the way, there was uh, a few big steps. One was... Uh, actually figuring out my sleep routine. That was actually step one. For me, that's where I needed to correct first because I found I wasn't sleeping well and so I was trying to eat things at night to stay up later to watch TV and unwind and it was like this weird cycle. How to get that so, TV show in, right? Yeah, I had to get the TV show time with my wife and yeah. so on. It was unhealthy. So anyway, I, I cleaned up the sleep pattern and my schedule first yes. and then from there, I laid down other foundations of eating healthier and being cleaner. Uh, the question of when, that was roughly about two and a half years ago, I'd say, in that ballpark. 
and things went really well. There was a couple of uh, summer seasons where we had some races that helped me set some goals and kind of, you know, aim towards something. So it gave me more motivation, more, more urgency that I needed. And yeah, there was a while there where, where I was very, very thin and people in my life were worried that I was sick, actually. They're like, you look, you look febrile. Are you, are you okay? Is there anything you want to tell me? You, you know, should we, have you seen the doctor yeah. recently? Because you don't look well right now. So, so that was... Uh, how, yeah. how, how, how much weight did you lose? So I, I did lose 40 pounds. Oh, wow. No and and I, I gained some of it back. I mean, that was like the, the extremes of the range were 40 pounds. Yeah. But, but 15 of that's come back. Like I'm in a better place, like more healthy now and more, yeah. more sustainable. Right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the extreme was 40. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. And so then fitness uh, as a kind of an ongoing focal point combined with family I try to layer in habits in my life where I, it allows for my kids or my wife Deepa or my friends to be involved in working out together. And that can just be fun. It doesn't have to be this very, very formal structured workout. It can be a semi-structured workout with some fun stuff added in. Yeah. Uh, you know, the kid picks one exercise, then the wife picks one exercise, then I pick one, and the kid picks one. And then we add in three that are like formal you know, the, the actual structure of the yeah. workout, but the rest is still activity together. Yeah. And that infuses a culture it's of a activity and fun yes. where the kids perceive it as fun. And then hopefully that will lay down some habits for them where they attach exercise and fun together and continue to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and then basketball is, is something I do twice a week. Um, I would love to lift more regularly, but right now schedule doesn't allow it. So going back to balance... I don't think I've ever achieved the perfect balance of career, fitness, and family, but I always strive towards it. So yeah. having it as a focal point for me gives me solace that I'm doing the right things. And it's so unique how you're doing all of that because you're literally and figuratively growing all of them forward. And I want to kind of touch point on that idea where we talked about how you're building an army even in your family, mm-hmm. right? We, we talked about at the <laughs> at the physio studio, you're like, oh, I, I told Deepa, like, I, I want this many kids and, you know, it ended up bad happening. Sure. And it's interesting because, like, you're, you're, you're a business owner, you have your own facility, and then family-wise, you know, you're, you're creating literally, like, a, an army of children, mm-hmm. and you're able to balance all of that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to just speak on behalf of that to... To pick your brain as to as to why you 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 wanted such a big family, even knowing how tough that could be to balance with what your career looks like now. Well, it was it was ignorance is bliss situation. I didn't know how hard it would be to balance them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like, how hard can it be? It can't be that hard. It's not that I thought it would be easy. Yeah. It's more so that I didn't think it would be hard. Yeah. I I, I didn't think about it. So ignorance is bliss. Um. Deepa and I, so this all happens because of her, right? We have to acknowledge that too. Of course. It, none of this happens without her. And she's the champ of the household. It, she's what creates balance at home. That's awesome. Without her, it doesn't happen. Um, we have four kids. There are two girls are 10 and 9, Amari and Gianni. Two sons are 6 and 1 year now, Vadin and Tavish. So we're, we're very blessed. Like we have a, a beautiful family, four kids that are healthy, that challenge us and support us and make us laugh and yeah. fill our house with noise that at times is too much but they fill our house with beautiful noise so we're very blessed and in addition to Deepa being the main balance provider 
the grandparents are also balanced providers. Like they nice. help support us and help us with them and are big influences in the kids' lives, which is what I wanted too. That's important for, I think, every family unit to have loving, supportive grandparents because they get to do different things. They get to spoil the kids and then give them back. They get to, <laughs> they get to offer many more years of wisdom yeah. that we don't have to share. You know, they have something that we don't have. That's okay. And they get to, now this isn't the main reason, but a secondary reason is they get to have kids again, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? They get, to, they get to do it around the second time yeah. where it's more fun. Yeah. And they, less, and less pressure. Less pressure. Right. That's the key. Yeah. It's like right. we don't have to find the money to make sure these kids' mouths are fed. Sure, sure. Although they do give a lot of money. We have to acknowledge that too. They do. <laughs> but you're, I think the biggest thing in my view is they are able to do the fun, relaxed, caring things with perspective yeah. that we don't have yet. And they don't have the pressure of discipline. Yeah. And the time pressure, because they're they're retired, yeah. two of the three are retired, right? So they don't have to get the kid to an activity and then get to work and then like they're not thinking about the next thing. Exactly. They get to be very much in the moment, mm. that's awesome. and that's beautiful. That's Rewarding. beautiful for all, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great for the kids. It's great for them. It's great for us. It's great for everybody. So when they are available to do it, it's a beautiful thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. How much of your own family values? A little bit two two tiers to this question is. The values along with maybe your own experience with your grandparents. Is it, let's, let's talk about that first, is due to your own experiences, is this uh, very much so the reason why you care about that relationship between your kids and the grandparents? I have a soft, I have a soft void. I have a soft void yeah. in my grandparents because I didn't have them in my life. Like they were in India. Oh. They were either in India or they were passed away. Yeah. Right? So I did have... Like I met my mom's father and I met my dad's father, but I never met either grandmother. Oh. Right? Like they were passed away before I ever had a chance to meet them. So I've only, and even when I met the two grandfathers, it was for brief visits as a young for child. Yeah. No, no, uh, like they lived with us and oh, I nice. lived to live with them. But there was like, I was young, I was yeah. so small and it was only for a month. Yeah. And then that's it. Right. So my relationship with them was very, very, very small. But that soft void made me think about and probably realize that there's something there that isn't quite full, yeah. right? So wow. I, wanted, I wanted my kids to have as full an experience as possible. Like um, family values-wise? Yeah, just in terms of I, like what they are. What are they? Yeah, like if there's something that maybe you and Deepa... Well, yeah, Deepa lays it down, right? So kindness, generosity, and respect. Those are her big three. Mm -hmm. She says kindness, generosity, and respect. And I agree with those, but I never verbalized it until she did. Um, For me, all of those are true. I've actually never verbalized it to the kids, and maybe I should today. (laughs) There you go. Let's just answer it now. What are my family values? I believe in supporting one another, being very honest. That's a big one, being truthful and honest with one another. Uh, and I, I love practicing and observing others with a high EQ, like an emotional quotient, yeah. like the ability to watch a scenario unfold and see something happening that might be beautiful or friction filled and be able to understand probably where that's coming from yeah. and then offer whatever you think is needed there. Yeah. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a tap on the back. Maybe it's a distraction. Maybe it's loud music, whatever. Like, I don't know what it could be, but but something strategic that would make that experience more fruitful, better for all. So I like when family members do that. I like when team members do that. 
We don't always do it. I don't always do it. I suck at it sometimes, mm -hmm. but I try. And I do have it as a focal point of where my efforts lie. I like that, yeah. yeah. I feel like that stems from how good you are at working a room, right? And I'll never forget, <laughs> it works a room magnificently. <laughs> and, and Raj gave me the analogy of an Indian reception party where you're probably going to see family members that you haven't seen in a year or two or yeah. family members you just saw last month at a dinner party yeah. or certain friends who never even met other family members. And you're, <laughs> you're in a position where you could either ignore all those realities and go, okay, whatever, everyone's just here. They're going to pick and choose who they want to talk to and mm -hmm. you might not even say hi to the other person at the table, no big deal. And I loved how Raj would be the guy, from your own words, you told me, you know, everyone's just standing around, let's say the bar, for instance, and if you see an opportunity to connect two people together, kind of like at work, or you find a way to start a conversation, because you know it's just the two perfect people who can vibe on that conversation, but right, you're the right, only right. guy that knows. Right. You know, right. there might be the one guy, Kenny, okay, martial artist, and maybe he's the friend that got invited to the wedding, right. and you know him, and then there's the uncle who used to do karate, <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't know that. They don't, they don't know, know they're, that. They're, you could awkwardly see, like, oh, Kenny's just drinking, and maybe he goes on his phone every once in a while, he's probably texting his girlfriend, oh, I'm just at the party, probably leaving an hour, right? Like, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And then uncle's just sitting there like this, and you'll come in, and you'll go, oh, Uncle G, uh, come, uh, did you know that Kenny is a martial artist? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it's as small it's that as that. That's yeah, that's where it can start the conversation. And kind of just to bring it back, it, it makes me see how you're the kind of person where you could touch point on those emotional responses. Mm -hmm. and you could kind of feel that energy in the room. And I feel a lot of people will either know that that exists and they ignore it, or people like you, they capitalize on it because mm -hmm. it's the opportunity to create a community. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how close I am to how you look at it, but if you wanted to add more to that, in terms of if that's really me being on point with how you operate. Yeah, do you think about these things? Because I've noticed this because I right? there's certain scenarios where I'm out with this guy and I'm just, I'm closed off. I'm narrow. I don't want to, I don't really want to talk to anyone else. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I'm like just I'm here with vibing you. with my friend, like <laughs> a mentor, brother. I, 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 I'm not in that position. I'm not in that mentality of like being open. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to three strangers at, the restaurant and <laughs> he, he's like oh did you know him it's a rapper and he does this and then yeah. all of a sudden i have to explain myself and like jive with this person all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm turned on right so yeah. which is which is great but i'm th i'm just curious from your end do you yeah. think about it at a in a psychological level is it just fun do you just want to start something where does all, it come all, from? all of them i mean yeah. some sometimes like if there's a need yeah if i sense a need then yes, I'm consciously thinking about this person needs something. How can I make it happen? It might be a spark, the jujitsu conversation. Yeah. It might be pulling them away from that place. Like I, yeah. you know, that stuff goes unnoticed, perhaps, right? Absolutely. So yes, sometimes it's a spark, sometimes it's a pull away, sometimes it's a private conversation, sometimes it's something else. Like if there's a need, yes, it's conscious. Yeah. But habitually, like my default patterns do tend to go in that direction. I like connecting good people that probably have something in common. I enjoy that process. I think that that's valuable. I think it brings the community together. I hope that it's received well. It, it, most times it is, right? Most times, not always. Like you might, Sometimes you might, it's super awkward. Yeah, you, might, you might screw up once in a while, right? Yeah. But, but like the vast majority is received well. Um, so yeah, default patterns do tend to go in that direction. But sometimes I'm, I'm in my own place, like, like you, or sometimes I'm, I'm in a reflective place in a quiet, wanting to be solo place. 
And if that's the place I'm in, I'm not even, it's not even on my radar. Mm, yeah. I got hoodie on, earphones in, I'm like doing something else, right? So there's, there's moments where that case, that's the case. But yeah, if, if it's a group setting and a social setting and an opportunity, my default will tend to go in that direction probably. And if it's a need, then it's a conscious call one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's unique. Yeah. What is something that you are currently being challenged with the most in your life? Um, current being challenged with, challenged with the most in my life. Uh, it's going to sound like a broken record, but it's balance. Like yeah. it's, it's a challenge and a focal point all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. It's yeah. balancing the three pillars effectively and, and wisely always. Of course. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's, it is a challenge. Uh, it's not insurmountable, but mm-hmm. it's a challenge. No, no, absolutely. It's something I feel like everybody needs to work on constantly right sure. i don't think there's anybody out there mm-hmm. that can <laughs> as cliche as this is to be said but you can't write a book about balance yeah. like, let's be honest yeah. i mean yeah i bet you there's gonna be many people who go oh well here's 10 books that have the word balance on it and are a new york times bestseller yeah don't get me like you know what i mean like don't get me wrong yeah. there are books but when i say that yeah. i say it in a way where i don't have the answer yeah there's no secret sauce mm-hmm. to balance i feel like Again, everybody is just living such a different life. Mm-hmm. There, there could be somebody with four kids, yeah. is a physiotherapist, owns their own practice. There could be another Raj out there. Mm-hmm. But their, their psychological uh, representation of how they view life can be very different sure. from Raj because they've had so many different stories along the way yeah. to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. It might look like the same person, right? And that's why so many times we compare people. Because there's something to be compared to, mm-hmm. right? You compare, like I'll say from a fighter's perspective, you look at somebody like George St. Pierre. Then you look at someone like McGregor, Conor McGregor, where both of them champions, both of them undeniably amazing at what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, you could kind of look at both of them and be like, oh, they're both champions, oh, they're both winners, they play the same sport. But very different mindset. Mm-hmm. Very, like the way they operate. How they tell themselves they're winners are completely different. Mm. Right. So it's so unique. And I, I like digging that. And I find that the mm-hmm. biggest thing that we relate to is, is that emotional side, mm-hmm. is being highly intelligent in that manner. And I I take that in from the people that I've looked up to in my life. Right. Or, or let's say the famous people or the people who've had such a large spotlight who've thought that way. Who are those people? Oh, good question. For me, I mean, I, I grew up very much so uh, very like very you could say appreciative of of the cinematic art okay. so so I'd, I'd go to the bollywood movies growing up okay. and i'd like look at someone like shahrukh khan yeah. and i'm like how does someone like this guy have such a loving personality where yeah. like yeah. he can make you cry in a movie sure. like he, he can just like rock bottom hit you here sure. but then next movie he's in he's dawn yeah <laughs> he's like a badass <laughs> But he, he, he portrays himself as somebody who is so immersed into his character. Yeah, he's magnetic. Yeah, very magnetic and the energy he brings, right? Like the one movie, he's going to be a hero. The other sure. movie, he's going to be a lover. Yeah. Next movie, he's going to be a singer and, sure. and he's going to dance in his craft. But it, it just goes to show like sure. there's certain, let's say, uh, avatars yeah. in your life who you all, will always look back to mm-hmm. and be like, okay, it might be coming in a way, some way, shape or form of that yes. person. I, well, I, he's I, the common man. Right? right, that's why we all connect with him. Is he's the he pers- portrays himself, and we perceive him to be the common man. Yeah. So the, every every man in the audience is Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah. 
Yeah. And every man in the audience is the hero or the Don or the guy getting his heart broken. Exactly. That, and we're all, that's why we're all, like, we're all experiencing it. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're all yeah. taking notes. Yeah. I forgot to say that. <laughs> but for you, you know, how about yourself? Like, do you have any, I know we didn't touch on it today, so I'm curious. Are there any people in your life or, or life now mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, that's my idol and that's someone who I could like really relate to? Uh, you know, as a, as a younger person, there's obviously sports icons. Yeah. So Michael Jordan was a, one of my, is one of my icons. Um, his mental drive, his ability to go through challenges, his approach was very methodical. He didn't, he never gave himself excuses. He was very driven. Yeah. And he appreciated defense and offense just as much. He wasn't just trying to be a prolific scorer, but also a team defender. So he's like working with his, his team, working with his group synergistically. So I appreciate those elements. Currently, I don't think there is. I don't yeah. have one now. That's not to say that I shouldn't. Yeah. It's just that I can't think of one. Yeah, yeah, I don't have one. Not even, not even. <laughs> uh, it, it's just a. Idols are something we use because of something the idol represents. Yeah. You know, I might, totally. I might enjoy his defensive prowess. I might enjoy his mindset. I might enjoy his approach. I might enjoy his rituals. I might enjoy his, his shoes. You know, I, there's something about the idol that I, am looking at. Yeah. And he's a symbol, right? So I'm looking to the symbol, but. Really what I'm looking at is what does the symbol represent? So I still have things that I value that represent something that I look towards, which are growth, sustainability, success, um, contributing to your community, to my community in a larger sense. And, and those are values that I, that I value. Those are values that I want to embody. But I can't think of like a human, yeah. just off the top of my head, that like that's the one. I'm sure there are many, many that that do that. Yeah. I just can't think of one. You didn't, and you didn't touch on Kobe. Obviously, Mamba mentality is yeah. something that yeah. we we uh, we connect to. Sure. But um, one thing uh, I know you just talked about community, about giving back. You know, you're at a point in your career, your life that you want to give back, mm-hmm. and uh, you're in the midst of a campaign, and I wanted, yeah. I wanted to touch base on that. What is the campaign, and why is it dear to you, and why are you going into that process? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been brewing in my mind for uh, at least a few years. Uh, I want to use my time, use my energy, use my focus, use my uh, resources and my skills in a, a larger capacity like we do a lot of work in Edmonton and surrounding area already and it's not to discount that work I do value very much that work and we will continue to do that work but I wanted to do something a little bit bigger uh, particularly overseas that's that was one of my goals so um, this coming February 2019 I'm traveling to Ecuador Quito Ecuador as part of the CAMTA mission CAMTA is a Canadian Association of Medical Teams Abroad and we identify patients that have hip dysplasia or club foot. There's a team of surgeons, anesthetists, nurses, physios, and non-medical volunteers that travel to Ecuador to provide medical service, usually surgical and post-surgical care and education to the local healthcare practitioners to help those people recover afterwards. The, the local people that need that care meet with a local social worker 
and they decide on a, a fee that's fair. It's, it's a nominal fee. I think more so to make sure people don't abuse the system. Yeah. So they do pay a small fee that's decided upon locally with the social worker. Everything else is covered by, by us, like volunteers and the, the service is free. The fundraising is something we're doing now. We'll do that for two or three months leading up to February. So that's what's coming. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And what, awesome. what role will you be specifically playing in that part? I'm one of a group of physios that'll provide post-surgical rehab care. Wow. And I'm sure it's my first year, so there's things I'm learning as I go. But I'm sure there will be non-physio related stuff. You know, I think everybody who goes kind of goes with the understanding that this is my primary role, but I'm going to help out with other stuff. Yeah. You know, set up, take down, communications, whatever else needs to happen to make that trip successful and fruitful. Everyone contributes to that larger cause. Yeah. So that's my approach. Now, I understand people can actually help donate towards this cause for yeah. you being there. How long do they have till uh, they can donate? I actually don't know. Oh, but okay. my goal is to raise five thousand dollars in november awesome. that's my goal so november. we have about two and a half more weeks okay cool yeah. when this goes live i think it will be after that but okay. how can people still donate towards this cause whether it's still directly to you if there's still a chance yeah. or just in general there will still be a chance right. I, i've simply given myself a timeline for healthy urgency nice. but uh, i'll give you the link and maybe when this goes live yes. we'll put it on the that'd be great there. Yeah. yeah let's do that then yeah. awesome and you know now as we come to the end of the podcast here Raj I just would like to you know open the floor to you to to allow you to let our audience know how they can best connect with you mm-hmm. personally or maybe just with uh, the pivotal brand what's what's the best way someone can contact you to either learn more about you or, or get more services from you or or whatever it is to, to reach out to you in the Edmonton community probably the easiest way is through either our Instagram or our website so it's Pivotal Physio or Arc underscore Pivotal mm-hmm. are the two Instagram pages. Perfect. And the website's PivotalPhysio.com or ArcbyPivotal.com. Awesome. Yeah. And I just want to take a second to, you know, appreciate you for coming out here. I understand that as busy as this man is with yeah. juggling your family and your career for you to come out and drop knowledge, let us know about everything that's going on in your life. I appreciate you for being able to, you know, speak on behalf of what it's like to to juggle all these different things and to kind of give people an idea that it's, it's not impossible mm-hmm. to flourish and, and, and be in a position where you're, you know, co-owner of, of something that's just continuously growing. Like it, it makes me feel so great to be an ambassador of Pivotal and have yeah. people go to me and be like, oh, dude, like you're an ambassador of Pivotal Physio. Like, yeah. man, that's like the Louis Vuitton of, yeah. of, of physiotherapy. Yeah. And it, like yeah. it's, it, it just goes to show that the, the branding that you guys have done and the energy that you're bringing to the table, it's, it's leaking out into the community in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. So you deserve all the acknowledgement. You, Craig, the whole team, yeah. right? I'm sure there's multiple other names that deserve to, to get credit for this. So keep doing what you're doing on that end. And for, okay. for you to be a, a role model in, in the space of being a father, being a good husband, and, and even agreeing on the fact that it's important to keep a good structure and a loving family. Uh, you know, I'm sure like that you're going to prioritize as much as you end up prioritizing your career mm-hmm. and being able to stay fit all at the same time. It's yeah. magnificent. Yeah. And I want to add to that. Yeah. Thank you for coming here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a mentor, you're a brother and uh, just your, your essence of what you've done and 
just being around you is just it's amazing man and and, and thank you for supporting this thank you for coming through mm-hmm. dropping knowledge for people that uh, are kind of around our age group and I hope hopefully it'll it'll expand into into other other age groups and other people and uh, yeah just overall thank you for coming likewise guys. Yeah. thanks for having me last question Raj we'll end it off on a, on a good note here for those who are physiotherapists or are wanting to become a physiotherapist and they they just resonated with you so much and listening in on this or maybe they've been kind of following suit with the pivotal brand and they see how big it's getting what's advice you have for that for that aspiring physiotherapist who wants to be you one day i get asked this question a lot um like how should i proceed in my career kind of question yeah and and my simple answer is i think each professional or human in this case, physio, should really decide on what he or she believes is her, his or her core values. You know, like define for yourself, what do you believe in? And, and once you know what you believe in and the type of practice you want to, you know, treat and the way you want to behave and the type of environment, type of team you want to have around you, once you've defined it, it becomes much easier. Your search becomes narrowed down. Yeah. You know, and it might be pivotal, it might not be pivotal, and that's okay. But if you know what you're looking for and roughly what your core values are, your search becomes refined. And then you naturally will start to attract those types of companies and team members and people to you. So uh, my answer is define for yourself what your core values are and seek accordingly. Mm Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. That's perfect. Thank you, Raj. Hey, we thank you. It, my friend. That was awesome. Thanks for coming through. Thank man. you. Well, that's a wrap there, guys. We want to thank Raj, Dylan, for coming out to the second floor. I hope everybody today has a much better understanding of who Raj is as a person, along with everything else that he's juggling in his life. So feel free to continue to support Raj and everything that he's doing. And definitely check out Pivotal Physio when you have the chance. Thank you, Raj. Cheers. Oh,